And welcome to another episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm your host, Swami Barakas, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Jojo underscore B. What's going on, Jojo B? Hi. So it's baking right now. It is very hot. It's 33 degrees outside. It is 28 degrees inside our flat. I made a a calippo. Yeah. And it tastes like dania. (laughs) Yeah. So obviously, we've spoken about this before on previous shows about uh, a classic British Asian trait is to stuff your freezer full of ice cream tubs that all contain Indian produce. In our case, it was coriander. And that's exactly the aroma of your calippo. Yeah, because we've had these in the freezer since last year when I was really sick and I was pregnant and I couldn't eat anything and it was this hot then as well. Yeah. Um, and I thought, you know what, there's three left. I might as well try and finish them off over this uh, hot weather. Are you having shades of deja vu right now? Do you know what? I'm not even joking and I'm not going to say that I've got something terribly wrong with me, but I feel like I hate the summer now because I associate it with being so sick last year. Yeah. I hate it and I used to love the heat and I just, I really just wish it was over and it was autumn. <sighs> Genuinely, like I can't believe that I'm saying this, Yeah, but I hate I. it now. And that, and apparently it's a thing if you've had hyperemesis. Mm. Um, I saw a post the other day by um, one, the hyperemesis group and they said that, like someone posted, oh, you know, do you feel funny at certain times of the year and stuff because you associate it with having hyperemesis. And mm. those people were like, yeah, yeah, I do. And I was like, oh shit, that's why I hate the summer now. So basically we're going to have to like alternate years because obviously I love the heat and I love the summer. Yeah. And then you love the autumn and sometimes the winter. I so what we need do to know do what? is the best thing about autumn is being able to get all your new like new jumpers and getting I, I've it. got an addiction to buying it. coats. I have it. a million coats, hate like it. so many, and I love buying a new coat. Hate so it. getting a new coat, I'm eating like a calippo that tastes of dania right now, which mm. is about as good as my summer's got so far. Yeah, fair play. But we we should maybe like alternate. So I take like the first, I take those kind of like six months. And then you take the other six months and then I can just like hibernate during that time period and you can just look after our bubs. Yeah, because it's his birthday in December, so I get the best time. Do it in the cold, fuck it, man. Not about that life. I'm going to take him to Lapland. I can't wait to take him to Lapland. If ex- ice still exists when he's like five, six years old. Right. And he still believes in Santa Claus at that point. Because they're obviously like burning the Amazon. Not Santa Claus. And now Claus. they're going to be Sorry. like melting the the ice caps are you like giving me the finger yes i am because i'm trying to make a really serious point and yeah. you're like yeah what the fuck you got to lap land and sing santa claus and fucking no not santa claus father christmas sorry i won't americanize him anyway right the podcast uh so basically let's talk about what's happened since our last podcast uh which is some great feedback that we got from it sounds like you're sucking dick <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like <laughs> Okay, I'm going to put this in this thing. You carry know those, on. You know those old uh, like 90s hip-hop skits and like Biggie's album? And like so it, And then they used to have the skits in between where they used to have like you know, someone performing fellatio on like Puff Daddy on Notorious B.I.G. And all it was is like... 
you carry on. I'm going to put this in the sink. Okay. I'll be back in a sec. Right. So, yeah. So, basically, our last show, which was a history of British Asian music. Um, and we had some great feedback from a number of people and also some uh, mixed feedback as well, potentially some negative. Um, I want to big up Cami K, my brother Cami K, who checked out the show. Uh, and I feel bad, I actually didn't actually uh, mention his name as well when talking about some of the big acts that happened in the early 2000s. There was a whole scene of like DJs. They used to go out and about around, you know, clubs like uh, Gas, Limelight. Um, Equinox uh, back in the early two oh, thousands. Yeah, there was a whole scene of the of the DJs that, that came through in that time period, and Cami K was one of the big names that come out of that time period. Um, and so, yeah, he basically said they had a, uh, a hey, just had a listen, had most of it, good show. This topic could go on forever, but you guys did a great job breaking it down. Yeah, I can't believe you forgot him. He produced most of your tracks. He did produce most of. He pretty much mixed and mastered my entire project, uh, and and he's always been there for me throughout my entire career. So. Big up, Cami K. Um, there's a number of people that we did miss out uh, talking Who? about. Well, obviously, Bidu came before us, I feel, in terms of the time period. Uh, yes. Big producer, produced like Kung Fu Fighting. I guess this is a massive tune. <laughs> yes. Um, but he was probably the first real big uh, Asian star uh, in British pop charts, I guess, in the 70s and early 80s. But we were talking about things happened during our lifetime. Yeah, I was and born in 83, so I was too young for that. Exactly. Um, and it was, it was mostly our personal favourites. Mm. Uh, and another person that we, someone, uh, Sahel Anjum, a friend of mine, a photographer extraordinaire, um, he said, you guys didn't mention Fundamental. Now, oh, yes. But I wasn't a massive fan of Fundamental's music. Like, fair enough. It's, it's, you know, from that time period, you know, the whole British Asian rap thing was kind of starting to starting to really um, spout off. And like Khalifs was my was my group. They were mm. my that was my dudes. Those are the guys that I listened to, mm. you know, before kind of getting into Asian dub foundation. And I guess Aki Nawaz and Fundamental were kind of in between that time period. And I just, it, that music didn't re resonate with me. It might do now. At the time, it was like really political, um, you know, very controversial. Yeah, it's very hardcore, the message. That's the thing. So I'd appreciate it a bit more now. But during that time period, it just wasn't, wasn't really my thing. Uh, it wasn't my thing either. Yeah. I didn't do Asian rap. <laughs> well, clearly, um, you're doing Asian rap now. Um, what is with you today? I don't know. Do you know maybe it's, it's the, the heat. heat. Maybe it's the heat and stuff. All these kind of innuendos thrown into our podcast. This this was not how we started this, folks. This is a very serious, you know, like you know, podcast talking about really serious topics. Now look at the debauchery. Uh, Joy Bungla. Yes, Joy Bungla. You know, Joy Bungla is a group that we potentially. We kind of talked about that whole Brick Lane scene, though. And they yeah, I kind of mentioned that. it. You know, saying yeah. that the Asian underground started in Brick Lane. Um, and there was a lot of Bangladeshi groups that obviously came out during that time period. And yeah. Joy Bangla, probably the, the biggest of that time period in terms of the yes. Bangladeshi groups. Um, but the one one group that I totally forgot and I probably should have definitely mentioned was Swami, the other Swami. The one that you always get mis mistaken, mistaken for. Mistaken for, yes. Uh, so DJ Swami's group, Swami, uh, which features SNs, one of my brothers, uh, and uh, a number of other great musicians. Uh, they had Desi Rock, which is a massive tune that Such came out in the, early, in the mid 2000s. Um, and they went around the world. We did really great things um, for British Asian music globally. Um, so, yeah, I kind of I feel bad. I missed them out. And people kind of listen to it thinking, oh, he didn't mention them because he's also Swami. And there's a beef between the two of us. There is no issues. They're friends of mine. So I would never, ever, ever... Uh, say anything derogatory about yeah, any other group. We know he's a he's a great dude, great friend of mine. 
Um, and there is such a massive group. I just feel bad that I kind of missed them out because there's no beef. There's so much. There was so much great music. There was always going to be someone that we missed out by accident. Yes. Well, Kaz Kumar, who's also another friend of ours, um, she actually said there was too much emphasis on the guys and not enough about the chicks, mm. which could could be an issue. But you know what? I, th- I feel we mentioned quite a lot of females in that show. We did. We mentioned Rita. We mentioned... Well, MIA. Um, we mentioned... Uh, Soldier. Sonia from Echo Belly. Yeah. Nazia Hassan was like the main person I spoke about during yeah. my time in the 80s. We mentioned, mentioned Loads a, lot, of a lot of very influential ladies. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think now it seems to be a, a much better time period for women in music compared to what it was like, say, like 15 to 20. There was only like what like Gunjin probably yeah during that's that time period that's, he's the only person we didn't mention yeah that I think I you know yeah, wasn't really, really, really loved music. her music wasn't my music I, li- I liked I a few of her, her tunes live, but like, she's awesome they used to do like this live thing what was it called again City Showcase or something no not City Showcase it was a different thing the BBC used to do right. anyway I went to Made the very well first things or uh, I can't remember who it was but I remember um, going to the very very first one that Asian Network did right and um, or oh, it was Bobby and Nihal show I can't remember anyway I'm very vague on this it's a long time ago I used to go to a lot of gigs but I remember sitting on the front row mm-hmm. and seeing Gunjan sing and you could have heard a pin drop at the end like she had mesmerised everyone there was like a pause right because everyone was just like Surely she's going to do more. We love her. Like, carry on. Yeah. And then, then there was like a massive round of applause for her because she's just, her voice is unbelievable. Yeah, absolutely. And But again, very much of that time period, I've not seen, heard or much from Gunjan since. Yeah. Incredible voice, uh, incredible talent. And like I said, hopefully now it seems to be a much better time period for women in British Asian music. So maybe we'll see future superstars that will, you know, balance the equilibrium. Maybe I should release my album. We've been saying it, MC Jojo B, bruv. It's about fucking time. Um, One random thing. So before our show about uh, the British Prime Minister and and that show that we did. So not the show before that, but one before that. Fuck Pretty Patel one. That's the one, yeah. Yeah. Fuck Pretty Patel show. Um, We actually got a one-star review on iTunes. What? Big up fuck a one-star review. You know what I said? Fuck you. But you know what fuck I think you, it is? The, the show that that just before that one-star review came was, was our Pride special. And I remember we got some negative feedback from people on Twitter. Oh, we got trolled, in it. Yeah, because obviously we were talking about a very delicate subject area. But also, we were like, fuck you. Yeah, true. But you know, this was something that we felt strongly about. Um, and I think is really important for our community. So if people are going to give us one-star reviews based on our content, then go for it, man. Keep keep on keeping on. We're pushing all the right buttons. Exactly. You know, um, but you know, that's that's like one between like all the dozens that we've got. That's all been completely positive. We've still got five out of five. Yay. So fuck you to troll man uh, for, you know, trying to bring us down. Was It, it was just a just a one star. Yeah, no, no review. review. No review. Just a one uh, star. Someone just needs a one it. star. It's not even real. Exactly. If you're going to go to all that effort to give us a, a rating, at least review us and say why it wasn't that good. But, you know, we get these homophobics every now and then that will kind of throw their oar in. But we're trolling not about that life. Trolling ladies. Yes. Trolls all Bollocks round. Bollocks to you. Bollocks to you. Um, so we've recently had a birthday for one of the Native Immigrants Podcast family. I was just thinking, who? And then I realised it's you. No, we've had mine. We've had one since then. Who? Happy birthday to Miku. 
It was Miku's birthday only last week. Oh God, yeah. Our our. So it feels it feels like he's part of our he's part of our circle now. It was Miku's birthday. <laughs> and he still screams all the time. Yes, and because we could hear it from upstairs when we were trying to uh, put our bubs to sleep, and you kind of mockingly said, "Happy birthday!" Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as a, as a parent yourself, that was uh, very inappropriate. Um, but yeah, so Miku celebrated. Um, I've spoken to his mom a few times in the hallway. She's one of those like passive aggressive bitches. Are you just saying that, or is she no. just like, a really nice lady? You just want to no. pick holes in her because she you hate is. her son. No, you know when you just get those Asian ladies that are just really bitchy, but like really nice to your face. My family's full of them. Like, right. yeah, it's one of those. Okay. Well, anyway, happy birthday to Miku. Um, yeah, he's he's still been like, the terror that he's always been, but I feel like a little bit a little bit more of a fondness for him because it's no, a growing affection now. He's part of our life. He's part of our life yeah. exactly, and the amount of anecdotes that we've thrown uh, about him on this show, uh, you know, it's you know, it feels like he's one of our own. And we've got our own back every now and again with Bubble. Oh, of course, yeah. When he's having those three o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning screaming fits. Not uh, so much these days, touch wood. I'm yeah. going to try and find some wood to touch because right I don't want to. Right in front of you. No, this, this table is made of like wood-looking wallpaper. It's still wood, though. The actual rosewood table that I bought, that was way more expensive than Look that. Look how that. the other half live, AJ But you know, you've been quite an inappropriate parent yourself, though. What? Going, you know, we just mentioned the fuck off and stuff. But really, you've now got into the habit of putting Teddy Ma at the end of every sentence. <laughs> I can say it to Bob because it's about me then, isn't it? Yeah, but it's whatever. Like it's, my favourite thing is Nokka Teddy Ma. Nokka Teddy Ma, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> didn't, didn't you say like I had to I've got to sort my legs out and stuff going forward and I was like Harry Terry Ma <laughs> yes why did you tell so, everyone I've got hairy legs but the thing is he's going to start getting into the habit of saying a few of these things to other people which, which, what, do we which need point? to translate this by the way so Terry Ma means your mum yes and Nokka Terry Ma means slave your mum yeah slave your mum yeah. <laughs> basically um, but yeah we, we there has to be a point where we have to sort of like curb all this bullshit and actually be like you know, nice, obedient parents. Some, can someone tell us when we have to stop doing this and we have to just be like on best behaviour? Well, have we said anything? We haven't told them. What? He said his first word. He did say his first word. And I did an eye roll. I was so proud, but also did an eye roll at the same time. Yeah, I, I mentioned this on my social media and Swami Barakas' social media, not so much on the native immigrants, but we can share here for all our listeners that don't follow me. If you don't follow me, bruv, what the fuck? Follow me, innit? He said Daddy And it was like I can't even deny it Because it was clear as day And we were both there I guess You know what I was doing I was cleaning his ass mm-hmm. And daddy was there To hold his hands Because he likes to like Literally Kind of try and put company. his hands In his shit now yeah. <laughs> That's his favourite thing Literally just keeping him company On the other side Is all I was doing and he said, Daddy. And I'm so glad the best thing about it was the fact that you were there to hear it. Because I would probably tell you that, oh my God, he said, Daddy. And you'd be like, yeah, fuck yourself. He's not said that. Obviously, he hasn't said that. You can't say those words. But you were there to witness this yeah. monumental it wasn't even moment. Because he'd been saying, Dad, 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 Dad for a while. Yeah. And then he went, Daddy. Yeah. He threw the D cute. at the end. Yeah. And it was a one off. It wasn't like repeat, repeat, repeat. It was like a Daddy. As he looked into my eyes. And he doesn't just say it about everything either. He actually only says it when he sees you. <laughs> yeah, man. 
Damn you, still can't even say mama, mama yet. Yeah, well, you know, there's... Except when he's crying and occasionally he'll say mama, mama. Yeah, well, he's already decided his favorite parent at a very early age. uh, And so it's a bigger and better sign of things to come going forward. Right, so... Aside of all that, what has been happening since our last show? Well, since even before the last show, we just never mentioned it because mm. we were too busy chatting music. Yes. Uh, the new Miss England has been crowned. Oh, yes. Big up, she, Miss England. Yes. Miss Ingolandovic. She was crowned on the 1st of August, I think it was. Okay. And she is an Indian. Look at this. I think she's an Indian-born Indian as well, but she kind of came over here and studied here. And She's not even an NRI. Yeah, she is. Oh, isn't I see non-resident. Is, I don't know what these acronyms mean. Okay, I don't really enough. care. She's from India, and she came here, and she did all her schooling here, basically. Wow. And her name is Basha Mukherjee. Big up, Basha. And she's from Derby. Oh no. Derby. Shout um, out to Derby Massive. And she is a doctor of medicine. Look at this. So, who said that the world is racist right now? Well, we do actually every single week on the show. Pretty much, yes. But and we're going to say it even more later on. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, she became a doctor. She graduated as a doctor in July, mm. and then became Miss England in August. Well, that was a pretty massive month for her, isn't it? Exactly. And wow. you know what? She hasn't decided. Oh, I'm just going to be a model, and I'm not going to do what I'm trained to do. Hmm. She's actually a doctor no. in a hospital. Yes. And if you have a look at her Instagram, which I did earlier on, she's stunning. Um, you'll see that she puts up posts about working in the hospital. Fantastic. Um, and she will be taking part in Miss World in December. Siti, how is that going to go down? So usually we watch it and you know how man's always rooting for India, isn't it? Well, interestingly, so she used to put up pretty pictures of herself on Instagram. Right. And she got a bit of a following for herself. And she was approached by Miss India. Oh. To for beef. compete for oh. them in 2015. Oh, sorry. I think she got she got like approached by whoever won Miss India. No, no, no. As in Miss India, the organization. The organization, right? Okay. Um, they approached her to take part and to compete as Miss India Damn. to see if she could get that crown um, in 2015. But she turned it down because she was studying. Right. And then um, apparently she like took part in some other crappy little pageants and was like, "These are shit. I don't want to do this." And took a break from it all. And then in 2017, I think it was, she was headhunted Damn. for Miss England. Bloody hell. And that's when she took part and then won. Look at this, mate. That is next level progression. Um, because obviously, uh, being from India specifically and then winning Miss England, I think is a massive, massive look. Because if she was like British Asian, you know, someone who's born here, you know, raised here and then won Miss England, it'd be like, okay, fantastic. But someone from India who's come over here, become a resident and then won this competition, you know, that's a little bit unheard of. But... But, so it's a great thing for diversity and representation and all of that stuff, Mm. right? All that kind of stuff. But, as a feminist, I must ask the question, Mm -hmm. is this sexist and outdated? Is the whole concept of pageantry and Miss England and Miss World and Miss Universe, Mm. is it all a sexist load of bollocks? It could, well, like I said, it could potentially be. And on the flip side of it, and there's me just playing devil's advocate, obviously, you know, you have like kind of, you know, like Mr. kind of bodybuilding competitions and guys just walking around in like like spandex, like kind of skimpier speedos and stuff and flexing their bodies. And that's that's always looked at as okay. That's always looked at as no problem at all. 
But Whereas, it's not given the same level of um, interest, hmm. media interest especially, um, as Miss World. Yeah. So there's not as much kind of of that kind of page three ogling type thing going yeah. on. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Hmm. I'm not saying that these girls are page three girls at all. Not not at all. A lot yeah. of them, are, most of them are very highly educated, very intelligent. I mean, this lady is has a genius level IQ. Yeah, yeah. Like she is super intelligent. So she knows what she's doing. But it's whether... It's still quite exploitative or not. Mm. I think they've gone a, a long way to try and change the perception of it. And I think last year they had their first hijabi lady oh, who took part. Amazing, amazing. And in but Spain, how did that go down though? In I don't know actually. It was I think it was last year. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be interesting, that interesting to see what if that brought any kind of outcry amongst you know the the uh, the countries of the Middle East. In Spain this year, they had their first transgender model. Damn, big up. Which I think is a big look. Yeah. I'm not sure she won. Okay, but again, but this is all that small steps part. and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. She was allowed to take part. She took part, and, you know, in the same way that everybody else did. It was great. Yeah, acceptance is amazing. Exactly. Uh, um, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I, I, I do, I'm I, just I'm very conflicted about it. All. Yes, no, it's one of those things where it's like because I, I've always kind of been a, not been around Miss Worlds because obviously <laughs> you wish. Be here, but <laughs> well, I'm, you know, sometimes I have my moments. So because I've always you kind of me the been, because look. I've always um, you know brought up seeing Miss World year in year out. It's a bit a bit kind of similar to like watching James Bond films because you think of James Bond films and they're incredibly misogynistic and they exploit women sometimes in there as well. But because it's James sometimes, Bond, always all the time, yeah, absolutely. But I'm a big fan of James Bond films because it's just part of British culture. You know, you take it with a pinch of salt. I understand that with Miss World, it's a whole different dynamic because it can be looked at as very exploitative. But, you know, as, as long as it's not harming anyone and people are, you know, more than willing to take part, they sh they, I feel that there still needs to be as much of a Miss, miss World as much of a Mr. World. If there was a competition which would focus on both genders oh equally... Oh my God, what if we did Mr. and Mrs. World? Because there is a Mrs. World as well. There is a Mrs. World, yes. Yep. Um, Maybe me and you should. That's what we should aim for. We should get personal trainer. Right. Start looking really good. All the body confidence ladies and men, you know, be happy in the body as you are. Yeah. Uh, but still. <laughs> so what? What if like we went there and then all of a sudden like loads of girls started like you know sliding into my DMs and shit. Um, after I won it, I'd, I'd shake you awake, darling. Is what I would do. <laughs> low blow. Low blow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, we can have a conversation about Miss World on a bigger, on a, on a, you know, on a. Nah, I can't bother to really. Okay, fine. Um, but also, since our last show, there is now going to be a new Asian family on EastEnders. Yes, there is. Yes, absolutely amazing. Um, I know, like you know, there's there's been Asians in EastEnders all the time, and it, I, I feel like there's at any one time there's always been an Asian on EastEnders. You started off with um, the postie. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was the know, postie. The postie was, was, was that the eighties? Was that the early nineties? I think. Through the nineties. Maybe it was through the nineties. Yeah. Before um, the Deepak and Sangeeta and them. Yes, or around the same time. Deepak and is it Geeta? Geeta. 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 Yeah. yeah Deepak and Geeta. Deepak and Geeta. Do you know the guy who played Deepak, right? So, you know, I used to volunteer at the temple huh. and um, I used to be at the entrance and stuff. So people used to come in and they used to sign the guest list with like their names and addresses so they can send out information to the post to all these people for future events and things mm -hmm. that are happening within the temple. Yeah. So every now and then we get like someone, you know, from the EastEnders 
community come in and stuff to you know we all i see i met john there all the time big up my boy i met um but the guy who played deepak i can't remember his name this is Is really sanjay something maybe um possibly i don't know uh so he came through uh and we were like oh do you mind just i'm signing the guest list with your details information he basically just put his autograph on this paper and walked off why not he was living his best life at that point he was. I don't know. I haven't seen him in anything else. You know, like with Gita, she's like in Citizen Khan and she's done like other things as well, other bits and pieces. Maybe he just was like, I've made my money in EastEnders. I'm going to retire now. No one really makes their money on EastEnders. Well, it depends. If you put into stocks and shares, you could have made some serious money and thought, you know, True. forget it. Or bought loads of, like Rupert Grint did. Just oh, buy Rupert loads Grint. of central London property and just make oh, all your money off property. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that Ginger Harry Potter? Dude? Yeah. Ron Weasley. Ron yes. Weasley, that's the one. He, that's what he did with his um, Harry Potter money. That's what his parents did for him. I don't know. But they bought loads of central London properties, which are now worth a fortune. Damn. They were a fortune then, but even more of a fortune now. Shit. Well, hopefully he had yeah, the right kind of, you know, financial advisors during that time period to invest his money properly. Properly, even. Um, but yes, New family. On EastEnders, and they're called the Panessas. Punjabi family! Seek peoples in the house. Yes! Yes! Yeah, so the the Panessa brothers, uh, Vinny, Girat, and Jags. Nice, I like their names. They're they're very very apt names. Yeah. It's not like, you know, sometimes where they kind of, it's a Sikh person, but then they'll give them a name like, like, um, David. David, yeah. (laughs) David? David. David. Yeah. Um, just because there's absolutely no research done at all on what specific names are from those Gita, communities. I like that name. Gita is a nice name. Um, but they're going to be coming into Albert Square in the next few weeks. And they're already tipped to ruffle some feathers, as every new family who enters EastEnders does, you know, to upset the balance. And they're going to be the Sikh bad boys. The Sikh bad boys. So um, they probably like private number plates and... Revving their engines really loud. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, so the actors are Jazz Diol, Amar Adatya, and Shiv Jalota. And they're going to be making their soap debuts um, probably in the autumn, I would have thought. Nice. Uh, exactly- is it just the three brothers and no mum and dad or anything? As far as I know, it's three brothers. They okay. could start to introduce extended family uh, if okay. they establish themselves long enough. Um, hopefully longer than the Ferreras. Chat to my boy Amit Chana again for the second time. <laughs> Executive producer John Sen said, The Panessa family are set to arrive this autumn and will bring their own unique blend of charm and chaos onto the square. A British-Asian family of Punjabi Sikh heritage, Kirat, Jags and Vinny are three very different brothers who turn up in Walford looking to settle a score. However, fate quickly takes a hand and they find themselves staying for good. We're thrilled to be introducing this vibrant new family to Walford and to be sharing their stories. Are we going to hear Punjabi MC a lot more then? Oh, fuck's sake. Hopefully now the, we'll be able to hear a few more different tunes now that there's actually a Punjabi Sikh family and that's not the only track they listen to. If, they, if they've got people behind the scenes who are able to kind of at least have the clout. Or even just talk to the actors who probably know the music better. Well, speaking of the actors, Jazz Diol, who plays the older brother, Kirat, I believe, huh. he has actually starred in two films by my brother Ashish Gadvi. Yes, uh, filmmaker extraordinaire Ashish Gadvi, who was on, on this show uh, discussing horror films with me on a Halloween special from last year. Uh, he's made two short films that we'll be releasing at uh, some point. I'm going to find out when. Have they not released yet? 
I thought they did release it. We just hadn't bothered watching it. <laughs> That's really bad. <laughs> I'm really sorry. Shout to family support age. I mean, you know, you can always count on the ones you love. Um, but yeah, Jazz Dio has starred in a few of uh, my bro's films. <laughs> you're a bastard. Yeah, I thought that. I'm sorry. You I don't give a fuck about us. Um, and Amar Adatya, who plays one of the other brothers, has actually star, um, starred in a few films with my boy Shizio. So, because uh, I saw Shiz put up a, a post about um, Amar Adatya being in, he said, oh, okay, they've done a few films together. So, yeah. The world gets even smaller. Yeah. And also, to make it even smaller, another mm. new member of the EastEnders cast uh-huh. happens to be the cousin of my very good friend. <laughs> because? Yes. What is going on? She is going to be playing the lesbian lover of one of the other families, one of the other Asian families. There's another Asian family in there, isn't there? Yeah, uh, probably. Yes. I don't watch EastEnders. Um, neither do I. That's I will thing. now, obviously, to support our yes. Prince of Because brothers. we're taking over. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> we are. Come here, take all the jobs. Yeah, exactly. Take our Wolford yeah. properties. So yes, uh, this new member of the cast is called. Her real name is Gurlane Korgacha. Okay, so this is Mandeep's cousin. Yes, Mandeep's cousin. Shout out to Mandeep. Yeah, you better be listening to the show, fam. Do you know what I mean? Um, yes. So yes. Excellent. Look at this. So we're gonna More have a vested interest, <laughs> a vested interest, basically in characters on EastEnders. But I'm, I'm still waiting to see. The classic Gujarati family on EastEnders. No, because you don't live in East London. That's the thing, isn't it? We just don't venture out that far. And I did put on social media, there's no VB and Sons close by. So we're never, we're never like more than two mile radius away from a VB and Sons. From Wembley. Or, or Harrow or Kingsbury. Uh, I think there's one in North London as well. But we're, we're within a two mile radius of every single VB and Sons. And I don't think there is one on that side of the East. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that other than never you're mind. racist against Gujarati people and well, you don't I contribute. You. you don't contribute to racist. our conversations. I'm not racist. My husband's a Gujarati. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Fuck's sake. You should hear me when we don't have the mics on about what I say. But it's okay because I'm married to one. Fucking the worst. <laughs> Um, You're just as bad. Remember the songs you used to sing to me? What? You and Ashish used to sing me songs and think that this is what all Punjabis are like. We're not going to yeah. sing that song now. We're not because we're not racist, Jojo B. But they are. They're not racist they songs. They are. And they actually and grew up in South Hall of all places and they still sing the song to Yeah, me. because, you know, we're, that's, that's our brethren, isn't when it? When I was first married and moved into that house, that's what I used to get. What? That Stere- song. Stereotypical Punjabi that songs. That song. If it wasn't you, was Ashish singing it to me? Big up. It basically got bullied. It was a way of making you feel more integrated into uh, a predominantly Punjabi area, which is something you've never been used to. No, I don't so like exactly. it. So exactly. We were showing you around our people, which were the Punjabi Sikh families. I didn't mean that. I don't like Southall. I love Southall, but I just oh, can't look at that. You deal put it, it, it out there. No. A Sikh woman who hates Sikh people. No, I don't. So this is fucking amazing. Against your own. See how much he stirs. Just, he stirs so much just God. because. I'm not, even gonna use, I'm not even going to use the word coconut because I absolutely hate that term. I hate that That's term. It's a really offensive term. Horrendous, you know. But when it comes to Jojo B. You know, it's only brown on the outside, eh? Um, also, I want to say this something, week, but I can't say it because it'll get taken really badly. Obviously, and we'll lose all our listenership because you are deep down hate fueled racist, specifically against your own people. Unbelievable. I'm not going to say it, but whatever he said is all wrong, basically. <laughs> That's a retort. I love my brethren. Let's let's rewind time all the way back to episode two. <laughs> 
of our podcast, which is a very long time ago. I don't remember it. Tell me okay. about it. Well, we spoke uh, briefly about Asian superheroes and how there needs to be something, please, uh, to represent our communities as a superhero. And there was going to be, wasn't there? Well, there was going to be that one with Hannah Simone, yeah. and that never happened. It got cancelled, and she was really sad about that uh, when she yeah. when she put the message out on her Instagram. Her things get cancelled a lot. Her yeah, sitcom about sad. her life got cancelled as well. Seriously, she is. Uh, stay as far away. if you're in the process of working with Hannah Simone, stay as far away from her as possible because she is a I jinx. Think, I think that advice will not be um, heeded at all because she's massively very beautiful. <laughs> she is, but you know. <laughs> Being close to her in a working context is not going to end well for you people. And she seems really fun and lovely. And she liked my post on Instagram once. Big up. But we also spoke on that show about Miss Marvel, who is Kamala Khan. And she is Marvel's first Muslim superhero. So we spoke about the fact that there may, if there was a god, uh, be a potential film of, of for her mm-hmm. and as part of the MCU. Yeah. But what's happened is Miss Marvel will have her own series on Disney Plus, which is going to be Disney's new streaming service to compete with Netflix and Amazon Prime. Are we going to have to pay for this so we can watch this? We are going to have to pay for Disney Plus, are we? Have to get yeah, it's it. not like the old days of cable where you can like get a cable from your uncle and stuff it into your TV. No, I mean, like, I don't. It's just like another thing that we have to get now. Well, yeah, well, that, obviously now BBC and ITV have got their own one that they're going to combine. This is going to be its own that. thing. We'll just we'll just record that. Record it on what? When it comes on, we can just record it. Well, imagine you miss something completely. And then it's Tough. like... I'm not paying for that as well. What if you completely so missed an episode of Peaky Blinders? TV license. We pay for fucking Virgin. Mm. We pay for Netflix. Mm-hmm. And we pay for Amazon, Prime. Amazon Prime, Prime. And then Disney Plus and then bloody Britbox. Yeah, Bollocks. yeah. No chance. Yeah, way too much TV. But that is where the future is heading. The future is streaming. So No, they're going to destroy it. They, they will destroy this whole concept. Do you think? Yeah, because people will not be able to afford to do this. All of those at the same time might be very, very difficult. Yeah. You'll, feel, you'll, you'll definitely see... See, the thing is, they might even reduce prices. Who knows? Because if... if well, my Netflix has just gone up. So I don't think they're going to reduce okay. prices. Oh, okay. They're going to increase prices because they're going to, have to try and make their money somehow. They're going to have to show, like, are these hoes loyal? Where does your allegiance lie? You know, I would get rid of Virgin. Uh, yeah. Potentially, I think that's the one that would go. Virgin, probably, yeah. I would, out of all of those, but then we need Virgin we have for our um, broadband. Well, you can pay for broadband. You don't have to get TV. Okay, the TV, maybe not. TV, maybe not. But then... Anyway, this is a discussion yeah, for exactly. our bills Fuck's and sake. our home matters, domestic matters that we can leave to one side. And yeah, exactly. You just have to take, <laughs> turn a positive into a negative straight okay, away, don't you? No, for fuck's no sake. sorry, it's very positive. I'm just it just frustrates me that we're going to have to pay for another thing. But yay, Miss Marvel! Yes, you know Disney made that announcement last week at the D23 convention in California, and so yeah, she's Marvel's first Muslim superhero, and she's from Jersey City, New Jersey. And she idolizes Carol Danvers, who is Captain Marvel and wants to basically follow in her footsteps. But the one awesome thing about this is British writer Bisha K. Ali has been tapped to pen the scripts for Miss Marvel and act as a showrunner. And she's currently a staff writer on Hulu's remake of Four Weddings and a Funeral. And she's obviously a comedian, writer here in the UK. So it's awesome. We were talking about the fact that there's not opportunities for British Asian writers uh, authors, uh, people who write scripts here in the UK, but how America is so much more advanced for that because you've got Mindy Kaling and and 
See, there's is a whole, Asari I mean, this, this, and Hassan Minaj and all these people writing their own programs and starring them as well. This is a whole show. This is a whole show that we can do about how the American um, community, Asian media community, have really worked very hard and together and supported each other yes. so much more than what happens over here, basically. Yeah. Because there was a tweet that I saw the other day from London Hughes, the comedian, yeah. and she said... You know, big up my girl. She's gone over about Bisha. She's gone over to America and she's done all these great things. She couldn't even get a short sitcom type thing commissioned here by Channel 4. Oh, there you go. Yeah. You know? But is that so? But is that more to do with not so much the community of, of, of our community writers and creatives? That's more to do with the commissioners. The commissioners seem to be a little bit more open these, out there. No, but these people have really, you know, kind of push the envelope they have paved the way to allow other people to come through by showing that actually they sell hmm. we sell yeah over there like there is like you know mindy kaling did the mindy project and it was it was a really popular show yeah, yeah. you know and it got taken off the mainstream tv but it remained on hulu and everybody still watched it on hulu yeah so it's one of those things that people are out there and they're they're doing their thing and showing that it's possible for anybody else to do it and people are now not scared of employing Asian women or Asian men. Yeah. Whereas over here, there's still that fear. Yeah, yeah. We're still still in the minority here. We're talking about like being excited to see an Asian family in EastEnders. Um, but, you know, by now, surely we'd been like come forward leaps and bounds. Well, this is um, a lovely segue into what our next half of the show is going to be about. Yes. So when we come back on the other side, we're going to be talking about workplace discrimination and specifically with our communities. See you on the other side, people. Welcome back to the second half of the Native Immigrants Podcast. I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And in this half of the show, we're going to be talking about workplace discrimination, specifically against the Asian community. And it actually stems from a kind of small minor incident that happened to me at my workplace a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, you were really pissed off about it though. I was, I, I was really pissed off about it. And you know what was worse? I wasn't pissed off so much pissed off at the time. It was more, the more I dwelled on it and the more I thought about it that actually made me more and more infuriated. Mm. So I don't know whether that was the right or wrong thing. I should have actually addressed this, the situation there and then. But because it was, I didn't want to make a big deal out of it, I just kind of dealt with it and was like, meh. And we'll talk about this more as we go along, but I think that's something that we always do. We just, yes. no, it's not make for us. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the key issue I think that we're going to address on this half of the show. Um, so a few weeks ago, um, there was a conversation happening at work and people were talking about naan bread. And, you know, I kind of uh, stepped up and said, actually, guys, it's not naan bread. Naan means bread. And so what in essence, you're saying bread, bread. And it's the same as chai tea. When you say chai tea, you're actually saying tea tea because chai means tea. Yes. You know, you so wouldn't say baguette bread. Exactly, you know, you? that's or a baguette. Focaccia bread. Yeah, it's just a focaccia, yeah. you know, or ciabatta. Although some people still do that, actually. They say ciabatta bread, but it's just, that's wrong. <laughs> yes, they're also wrong for <laughs> doing that. They're also wrong for doing that, you yeah. know. But there's no Italian there to correct them. 
I'm but sure the, that if, if an Italian was there, they would recruit them. They would absolutely. just say, no, it's just ciabatta. Yeah. But, and, but, you know, the point was that people are so used to using that terminology because no one has really corrected them from the start. And so they're still carrying on saying it to today. And it doesn't help when you see, like, British Asian chefs on TV also saying chai tea and naan bread. Because then you're just like, you're, you're actually making the situation worse. I heard Nadia say naan bread. Really? But I think if she'd realised that she'd said it, mm. you know, sometimes it just kind of comes out. Yes. But if she'd realised she said it, she probably would have been quite pissed off with herself. Probably. But she said naan bread. But maybe it's not that big of a deal. But yeah. I think for me, it's more the kind of bigger picture of the fact that, you know, we've we're, we've integrated this country now for so many years and we've been we've had to and because we wanted to mm. um you know learn about the culture here make sure that we get things right with the cult with the culture here terminology and i kind of feel that if our parts of our culture are being you know integrated into society here that people here would then reciprocate that with our things like jai and none etc yes but I think it is the response that you got more than anything that was the bit that was like, what yeah, the fuck? Yeah. So basically, once I said those things, uh, a, a gentleman, an elderly gentleman in the office at a senior position said, oh, look, Mr. Pedantic, eh? And, you know, so, you know. For, the definition of microaggression. Yes. Um, and I just kind of like, well, I'm just, you know, I'm here just to correct, you know, I'm just correcting people. Uh, but he just kind of like, you know, laughed and scoffed it off and ha 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 kind of thing. I can hate passive aggressive behavior. Yeah, but you know what? It was more so the fact that what I was saying was, was you know, when he called me pedantic, it's basically saying that I'm making a, a mountain out of a molehill and kind of, you know. No, it doesn't like being corrected. Well, That's yeah. what it was. No, but I think for me, the more, the thing that, um, that I'm not infuriated, but offended me slightly was that, to to him, this was a minor issue. This was an issue that could just that was just a why are you making an issue over something that's so superfluous. Whereas for me, when you're talking about things within my culture, then it is a bigger issue. Mm. It is a, it is something that is actually quite relevant to me, and it's quite important to me that you know if you're gonna have non or call it non bread or eat non, call it non. It's not non bread. If you're gonna drink jai. It's chai. It's not chai tea. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't change things and alter things according to what you want within your vocabulary to make it more accessible. Because you know, I wouldn't you know like do the same with something within your language. Yeah, this is very true. You know, and so it didn't it didn't really like at the time I was just like I just you know it was like oh, it is what it is or whatever. But then I kind of realized that that's the bigger problem. It's the fact that we accept these things within workplaces and environments as just being part and parcel of a working day or anything in society. It could be outside the workplace. But we've accepted the fact that this, these things are okay and these things are the norm. Whereas we don't stand up for even the smallest things like that, but they could become bigger things and they could eventually be bigger things. But because we've been... In, we've been I don't know, accustomed or we've been made to feel like the ethnic minority here. And so all our issues are just that minor from the minority. Yes, everything is 
minor and also what they what loves what not I don't want to say they like everybody does this what a section of society loves to do yeah is is like is be like well I'm just gonna make it easy for myself so I will bastardize your name or I'll bastardize your culture and the your language so that it's easier for me yeah and if you don't like it well piss off because it's much easier for me to do it this way and yeah. if you don't like it bugger off Go back to where you came from. <laughs> well, yeah. that's basically, that's the response we get. <laughs> yeah. Well, in the most extreme circumstances, that Lovely. is the response I will we go get. back to where I came from and I will take back all of my spices and all of my flavour and you will be left with your blandness. <laughs> Piss off. Um, yeah, before we turn it to an us versus them thing, this is not where we're trying to get to here. No, but... but what it is, it is, is. it's... it's <laughs> what it is, it's basically... Um, I th- and I think we're partially to blame for this as well because we've... We accepted this a long time ago. Model minority type. Yes. Um, I think, you know, like a big thing with me and the other the other thing that um, that is also kind of um, linked to this is the fact that um, back in the back in the days of our parents' generation first coming to this country and finding themselves having to, you know, get started, you know, leaving their businesses or whatever back home, etc. And they find themselves having to, um, you know, make a living here in the UK. And so they'd be working in, like I said, we were talking about previously factories and foundries, sometimes retail, um, sometimes within the transport system, industry, commerce, etc. Um, but for a lot of those people, um, they had um, difficulty with their names being pronounced in various parts of various parts of the UK amongst their working circles. Mm-hmm. And so you would find that a lot of that elder generation had to change their names or alter their names slightly to become a bit more easily accessible yeah. uh, amongst people. So, you know, I've heard of like, you know, people called Harpal uh, had to be called Paul um, in their workplace. Yeah. Uh, you know, if like, like a person called Davinda has to be called Dave yeah. Or David. This has happened in my family. All of these things happen in my family. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and, you know, I, I guess at that time period, for them, it was because you were entering a whole new country, you were the minority then. Hmm. There was a, an outcry from the local communities, from these people coming over here, you know, not so much, yeah, taking their jobs, but it was filling gaps within the market. Um, and so, you know, they there was a little bit of the the inferiority complex and so you almost had to kind of accept um the way of life and you know just to basically just to get a foot in and make a name for yourself and start to slowly integrate you and your family in the uk without any hostility or issues or or problems or prejudice Mm. but that's there's elements of that still happening today and that's 40 and 50 years later. I mean, yeah, we all have to make our names slightly easier. If you have any kind of ethnic name, doesn't matter if you're Asian or from any other background, if you've got an ethnic name, you will probably would have made it easier slightly for somebody to pronounce at work. Yeah. You know, I do that. My name is Nav at work. Yeah. My full name is Navjot. Yes. Try to get someone to say the J and the Y together mm. throws people off in a massive way. Yes. So Nav. Yeah. Otherwise I was Navjot. Navjot. Yeah. Uh, Navijot. Mm. And I'm like, like none. Navjot is the only one that I could maybe like pass. Yeah. The rest, Navijot. When did the Y become before the J? Like you have to read what you say, what you're seeing. Yeah, yeah. Like what's written down on the paper. I've also had people use my surname as my <laughs> as hell? my birth name. 
Okay. Because it's just what is easier to pronounce. <laughs> I don't know. It's just people are mental. Yeah. I d- mental. But that's again. So I yeah, obviously like. Hi, Gadwi. Yeah, yeah. My my name's uh my name is Himesh. I've said previously on 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 the show. So people have kind of pronounced it Hamish, and just stuck with it. And I think this is this is the problem. I feel. Um, and like my brother Ashish, he's he's always been called Ash. Amongst, Even though his name is spelled with a double A. Yeah, he's always been called Ash amongst all of his workplaces. Um, and I, I, I still feel that that is also slightly our fault. No, I don't think it is. I think it's sometimes very willful. I can't be asked. You've got a funny foreign name and I can't be fucked with your name. No, but yeah, I, I, that's understandable. That, and that's the second point that we'll get to is that specifically. But what I'm trying to say is we allowed that to happen. We allowed that to happen. I could have come into a workplace. Yeah. I could have, you could have said, my name is Navjot. And it was like, oh, we'll call you Nav. No. If I want to call you Benedict, then you... I do will... actually work with Benedict. Oh, really? Pick <laughs> up. The parents are Gs. Yeah. Um, then I expect you to call me Navjot. Now, it's, it's difficult because you don't want to sound like... Because if you put that across, you immediately look like a a prick in a way you know like from the offset it's like oh okay he's a bit up his ass isn't he but for me it's a level of respect though isn't it it's a level of respect and at the time back then and not in obviously none of our communities got any respect from anyone coming over here and working these jobs and trying to integrate within the the british workplace i feel now and the strides that we've made as a community and so many Asians in so many high-level positions amongst the biggest companies in the UK, like, we shouldn't accept that. Yeah. You know? And I kind of feel that because we didn't do that at the start and because we allowed that to happen all these years going forward, that to tell, tell someone 10 years later, uh, actually, um, you pronounced my name wrong, um, it's actually this, it's a little bit like, uh, why, why the fuck didn't you tell me this ten years back? Yeah, you yeah. know. So, like I said, this, there's, um, the things that we'd be speaking about are obviously, um, you know, issues against specific members of that society. But I also feel that we're, you know, like we're a little bit to blame. We're as much to blame, in essence, for a lot of that. Also, I think a little bit is more accurate than a lot. Yeah, Personally. it's 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 frustrating because I I understand what our parents' generation had to do to integrate, you know, um, but because I'm still seeing it amongst our our generation today, um, just to make life easier for themselves. Well, look, it's very interesting that you talk about our parents' generation versus now. Yeah, because I found a study that was done. So the research was conducted in 2018 and they released the findings at the beginning of this year, in January this year. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, by, it's a joint collaboration by Oxford University mm-hmm. and an organisation or a project called the Growth, Equal Opportunities, Migration and Markets Project. Yes. Um, which is based in Europe. And they look at the labour market inequalities of migrants and minorities in Europe. And they especially focus on like highly skilled migrants uh, to Europe who don't find jobs matching their skill set. Yeah. So as to why that's happening, like what's going on there? Really interesting study. I would highly recommend that anyone goes out there and reads it, but I will give you the edited highlights of this. Yep. So its findings are 
and this is based just on the lab- British labour market. They've done this in various other labour markets around Europe, but this is specifically talking about the British labour market. 24% of applicants from the majority group, so in this case would be white British group. Um, society, yeah. yeah. So 24% of applicants from that group received a positive response when they applied for a job. Mm-hmm. Okay, you know. Standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. standard. Ethnic minorities had to send 60% more applications to receive as many callbacks as that. Wow. Despite having identical CVs and cover letters. So basically the same information yeah. on, on both sets of applications. Yeah. So what they did in this project was they sent out exactly the same kind of CVs, same covering letters, very, very, very similar across the... Skill sets yeah. and stuff. The only thing that dif- differed was the name. Right. And... Sometimes they their kind of um, identifier as what minority they were. So either but everyone was either identified as having been British born mm-hmm. or having come to this country by the age of six, right? And having all of their education and all of their qualifications from this country, right? So everyone could speak fluent English, and yep. it was made clear on these CVs that everyone could speak fluent English. In the covering letters, they made sure that there was no spelling mistakes, nothing. Mm-hmm. So the only difference was those two things. Wow! Right? Wow! And that's ethnic minorities had to send sixty percent more applications. And this is this is a study that just came out. The end of last year? Yes. So there's not like, you know, we, we talk about, you know, oh, there, there's been such advancements with, uh, you know, like British Asians here in the UK. Yeah. And how it's changed. It's changed compared to what it was like 20, 30 years ago. This is something that's very now, yeah. very current. Uh, yes. And just to explain a little bit further. So they looked at all different types of minorities applying for jobs mm. so they had um applicants from the u.s and from western europe as well right as well as africa uh, kind of africans or middle eastern or asians they had all like across the whole gamut of possibilities basically so applicants from the u.s and western europe were treated just as well as the white british applicants wow applicants from culturally distant minorities such as black africans and middle eastern or north african countries were penalized heavily Whoa, okay, okay. Um, and in particular, Pakistanis and Nigerians got it the worst. Really? Yes, they were heavily discriminated that against really in terms of callbacks. Wow. And when it came to looking at it by gender, so women from Western Europe and the US had favorable treatment, you know, just as much as the majority. Um, and men from Indian and East Asian backgrounds were on par with the majority group too. Really? Yeah. And in the study, they re- they kind of mentioned that quite often these two communities are referred to as the model minorities. Wow. Wow. So Indian men and East Asian men, not doing too badly either. Yeah. When it comes to get callbacks. But for the Pakistani brothers, yeah. that's, that's the other end of the scale. I that mean, is the study, crazy. Yeah. In the study, it says the discrimination against Pakistanis and Nigerians is, a, is at an alarming level. Oh, my days. And like they look at kind of higher education, so it's not even a level of there. So they can have the same level of degrees and all that kind of stuff as um, another minority or like as the majority white British. Yeah. It does not level anything out for them at all. The discrimination is still very, very heavy. Damn. 
But if you discriminate against one, you've, you're really discriminating against all of us, really, aren't you? Yes. I mean, you can take this as being a problem for everyone, but particularly for Pakistanis and Nigerians, there's a real problem against bias Wow. when it comes to applying for jobs based solely on a kind of a, a, like a ethnic identifier such as your name. Damn. Damn. It's insane. Like I said, there's so much detail in this and it's it's so worrying, some of the findings in this. But the, I'll just, I'll read this word for word mm. from the Oxford um, University website for the Centre for Social Investigation. Okay. This is the last paragraph of their summary of this study. Worryingly, discrimination is an enduring phenomenon. Comparing these results with those from previous field experiments conducted in Britain, we found no signs of progress for Caribbeans or for South Asians over the past 50 years. Oh my days. Nothing has changed. Nothing. Wow. That's the thing, you know, you don't, because, because you're not exposed to it as much. I actually say, I say that not being exposed to it. I've, you know, I'm, in a little while, I'm going to be out of work potentially, because my freelancing comes to an end in yes. terms of this time period. So yeah. I will then be going through the same process myself, uh, trying to look for employment. And so that would be really interesting to see, actually, what kind of response I get. Um, because I remember when, when going out of university and first looking for work, it took me, I think, a year to find work. And But it's crazy because now when I look back on it, like all my, like, I don't say white friends, because it's not an aspect of them, but they all find jobs very quickly. And I was living in London and with it being such a creative hub and so many opportunities for designers and creatives here in London, it was actually harder for me to find a job. And my first job actually after leaving university was working for an Asian company where the, the CEO uh, and the CEO were all Indians. It doesn't surprise me. That you know. doesn't surprise me at all. I remember when I got my work experience that got me to London, I was working for a broadcaster that owned the channel Trouble. Mm, yep. And Big up Trouble. Some yeah. Good shit back in the day. And I got a job with them. So I, you know, I went for the interview. The head of the channel loved me. Mm. Someone said to me when I got back, I can't remember who it was. I think it was a mate though. I don't think it was any, and I think it was an Asian mate who actually said this to me. Yep. They said, do you think you got it because they were filling quotas? What? Because Someone I actually said that to you. Yeah. And because it was a it was a scheme through the Media Guardian and the Edinburgh Television Festival and mm. all that kind of stuff that I got this placement. And there was twelve of us. Right. And there was me who was an Asian, and then there was one girl who was the who was black, and then the rest of everybody was white. Yeah. So they were like, Were you filling quotas? At the time I was like, I don't care. I genuinely <laughs> yeah. don't care. It's got me to where I want to go. Mm. got this job and you know trouble trouble had a very kind of high percentage of viewership from um ethnic minorities yeah, from asians yeah. yeah asians and uh, black kids and so i think because i was really you know just immer immersed in that whole kind of urban culture and all, all of that stuff i was 21 yeah. i was the right age group for the channel and everything the head of the channel loved me mm. and so he would come to me because i got put in different departments at different times yeah. so he would always come to me with, with random projects whether i was working on something for that department or not he would just be like with other random stuff and i got <laughs> i got seconded to the research department okay and um and so i was there just assistant just kind of learning the ropes and stuff and i ended up being there for a few months beyond my uh, placement but i think i definitely got some people's backs up because he would come to me and ask me to do projects for them um you know i was young and it was there's a project about channel u 
right, and yeah, um, yeah. you know, so I was kind of like the only vaguely kind of ethnic person that would have been, you know, watching Able Channel to U. To that, yeah. yeah, so he came to me and he was like, "Can you just do this project for me?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course I can." It really got. Not only did it get everyone's backs up because the head of the channel came directly to me, who was literally the lowest rung of the whole company. Hmm. He came to me and asked me to do a project rather than going through the management yeah. levels and stuff. But also, I just felt like there was some kind of, like, I something really irritated some people, some members of that team, because when the role became was going to become permanent, yeah, I interviewed for it. Obviously, like I had to amongst other people. I didn't get given that job, even mm. though they had poured all their energy into teaching me everything, and I had picked it up, and I knew everybody in the company at that point, and yeah. I, I got on really well with the team and everything. There was something about the fact that I had met i had had that relationship with that head of the channel but yeah. also be, and that solely came from the fact of my age and my ethnic background because and because he really wanted to know what the urban youth you want to be down with it down with the kids no but he wanted to understand the 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 people who actually the watch the channel yeah, yeah the demographic that watches the channel and that was us yeah you know that was me yeah, yeah, yeah. and it really pissed them off mm. i did not get given that job damn they replaced damn. me with a white boy well, a no... posh white boy because the whole rest of the team were all posh white boys mm. all posh white girls it was the girl it was the female manager that had the problem with oh me. dear but you know it is what it is i got a job elsewhere yeah. and then that next job <laughs> that next job was possibly i had one of the worst times of my life in that job yeah i was yeah. 22 23 at that point and i was handling my business doing very well team's doing really well getting on with everyone new manager comes in at this point i didn't need to be managed but i was like fine whatever if we've got a need to have a manager we've got to have a manager she's an asian lady mm. this lady started to bully me yeah. and i didn't even realize i was being bullied because i didn't know what bullying was because i'd never been bullied do yeah. you mean i knew yeah, what it yeah, was yeah. but i'd never experienced it so i didn't think it was me but genuinely she like i mean she pinned me up against a wall at one point yeah. like she was it was horrific and i was very young and she used to tower over me and everything and i raised that issue with the head of the team and he said are you sure it's not a problem because she's an asian manager she's another asian woman that's come into the team and so you've got a problem with her <laughs> Shit. i looked at this man oh, and i was I'd like love to be the are fly you in the fucking wall kidding day. me yeah are wow. you absolutely wow. are you actually fucking kidding me and then it continued and um and then i just i rang hr one day and i just said i'm not coming in yeah, and yeah. I got on a train to Newcastle and on the train to Newcastle I rang my mat, the head of the team yeah. and said I'm not coming in today because why not and I was like because I'm on a train to Newcastle because I've had enough yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was like no you can't do that <laughs> yeah. you're not allowed to do that I was like I bloody am but my my concerns and my the, and the fact that I raised an issue at work was dismissed with the fact that there's another Asian in the team though and she's and like you're just you have a problem because she's an Asian because I was an Asian person and it wasn't until she tried to fire someone she wasn't allowed to fire who was the white guy who was the equivalent to me who at that time was, I used to call my work husband yeah. um, he she tried to fire him and that's when they dealt with it and that's so, when they fired her so when all these issues were being raised by you yeah like you know workplace bullying yeah and potential abuse yeah um, none of that was heeded no 
She, I'm, and when I say she had me up against a wall, she did in front of someone else. And this other guy's like, I am so sorry for putting you in this situation. Mm. And he didn't know what to do. He didn't know how to stop her from yeah. doing what she was doing. She wasn't being physical, but she had me against a wall and was towering over me. Right, right. And there was no escape for me. And this poor guy was like, what the fuck is going on here? But my, the rest of my team had my back, yeah, but yeah. the management wouldn't listen. Mm. and hr they also said oh yeah you know we're here for you and stuff but they didn't get rid of her until she tried to fire some a white person in my team well there you go and God. i was 23 when i had to deal with that yeah so that that could potentially like one of your first real jobs in in a career that you've been like studying and working hard to get towards yeah. uh, and that could potentially traumatize you from being in that industry Thank, thankfully you carried on and, and still yeah i learned to not to take anyone's shit um including management shit yeah uh it's probably why i've never got very far because <laughs> maybe yeah <laughs> because Up yours management yeah because i've always had that attitude like don't treat me like shit absolutely not no and they don't appreciate that um but that they, they could that could basically uh it could be similar to so many other people's experiences um working amongst their environments you know we've had some really good stories from our communities working in workplaces here in the uk where it's been absolutely fine there's not been any of these problems um but that's that's not to say that, that a lot of people haven't gone through similar experiences to the things that we've spoken about yeah and it could be something like yours was i think a little bit more you know that was a bit more excessive but it's the it's the everyday daily little things that you know are just like a, a small little remark or yeah. a small little uh you know I, there's been times where i've been mistaken or called the name of another asian guy in the office and i've been called it and there's like oh my god so sorry so sorry you know um you know but the thing is with me i'm the kind of person that ah, are you racist now bruv are you racist you're trying to say we all look the same and then they make them feel really awkward and make yeah, them feel, you know i do that a lot to people as yeah, well i yeah. love calling people out and just like are you being racist that's the thing how dare you i'm really offended <laughs> yeah it's bad because you know we, we end up sounding like there's people that always call the race card and shit you know we're not no, because basically usually it's people that you have a good a banter with it, it, sometimes yeah. they might say the wrong thing and you have to call them out on it yes yes it's the problem the problem is is when it's not people that you have a good working relationship with and who've just kind of slipped up and said something stupid yeah it's when it's by people who knowingly do stuff or who you don't feel comfortable correcting yeah as well this and i think that's that's the that's a big problem it's that comfortability factor that people feel and the awkwardness that people feel with raising their voice or raising up or kind of making their voice heard uh to to correct people and to really stamp these issues out and and i think that that's why i hark back to when i'm saying that we're partially to blame because we've we've just allowed that to just carry on happening and carry on you know become a, a normal thing now in offices yeah and i it's like, well, how do you then, if you, like you were saying, you've, you've allowed it to slide for so long. If you start to then correct people, you get seen as being, why have you become so militant? Yeah, exactly. Like, what's, exactly. what's your problem now? But I think that if we don't start doing it, that this problem will continue. Yeah. But the, I think the problem with, like, with this study is that it's such an insidious thing that there's this bias that we have no control over. Yes. In yes. that, you know, you can have just as good a CV, you have all the qualifications, if not more qualifications than the next person who happens to be white or have a white sounding name, but you will not get a call back. And I think it's true for both of us when we've had 
um, interviews in the past or when we've been putting our applications, we're like, but I, we can do this job. Yes, with our eyes closed. Yeah. Then why have I not got the call back? Not even, yeah, that's the thing. Not even like initial phone interview or anything. And you address all the specific requirements on your CV yeah. with the skill set, with the qualifications. Um and then to be told, sorry, we've, you know, we've gone elsewhere or there's been too many applicants and we went for someone with more. I was just not hearing anything back. But it's the one that says we found a more suitable candidate. But I'm like, how am I not your suitable candidate? Because I've got everything you've asked for. Yeah. That's the thing. So what differentiates me from your suitable candidate when I've got everything going, plus I've got some experience, but I'm not, I've not even gone past the initial like process yeah that's what i mean and the fact that nothing's changed over 50 years means that probably it won't and there's a good likelihood that it won't change for another 10 20 years which when when bubs is applying for jobs yeah is he gonna is he i mean should we have called him brian should we have given him you know a really english name like well this is the thing i was reading a very interesting article on the bbc um and it was uh, an article uh, speaking to people that have had to change their names in order to get a more successful application process for work. Um, the, this particular article, when they were speaking to a girl called Rawan Mohammed, who is a British Muslim of Sudanese heritage. And she said, I grew up insecure about my name, so I decided to change it to mask my identity. The 22-year-old from Manchester says the success of her job applications has more than doubled since she started going by the name Rowan as a teenager. She says, I think it confuses people. Interviewers usually think I'm mixed race or Irish and don't expect to see a young black girl walk through their door. <laughs> no, but there's people that have done that, you know. I, they've had to kind of alter things, mm. their names in their within their CVs or uh, during their applications to enable them to get a foot through the door. If I'd have maybe gone under the name Hamish Godfrey in my in my CV, yeah, could I have become you know a top level CEO by today? I could have been Naomi Godfrey. Naomi Godfrey, <laughs> the Godfreys. <laughs> Sounds like the worst kind of Channel Four sitcom ever, isn't it? Yeah. Oh God, it's like yeah. the Coopers, isn't it? The Coopers. Like the Coopers, yeah. What do you got to think that generation and those specific uh, skit? Yeah, well, not skit, but that that kind of Asian mm. is the potential bigger problem here, isn't it? It's the ones that adapted and then changed their names and stuff to make it okay for other people to find it more easily to pronounce or, or more accessible to pronounce. And that's obviously not been the, the case. And now, going forward all these years, we're still encountering the same problem, if not worse. I don't even know what the solution is. I feel really, after reading that study, I feel really um, deflated. Yeah, about the it's whole demoralizing because I actually thought we were coming, I thought we'd come at least to a point where these kind of things that I'm talking about are very much the little small minor issues. No. But if it's still happening in workplaces today, then what, yeah, what do our future, our future generation of our communities, you know, what, what chance do they have, you know, in trying to make advancements in their careers and in their workplaces exactly and how far will we get how far can i get in work this is yeah this is the thing i sometimes think i've already hit my glass ceiling i think i've already hit it really yeah that's sad that's really sad 
it was sad until I had a child and then just thought, oh, do you know what? I don't give a shit. But I think um, it really annoys me that that's the, that I had got to that point where I thought, actually, I don't think I'm going to get much further than this. Mm. I think it's going to be very difficult for me to get. And that's why I left media. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't. I knew I wasn't going to get any further. In Within media. those industries, it's it seems to be. A, a, it feels like because obviously that's what the experience I had working in that specific industry. Yeah, that's the same problems that I've encountered as well. Um, I mean, you just. I would be one of very few Asians on the you know in the workplace. There wasn't very many of us, mm. so that's one thing. Again, like you, it's just a very obvious sign that they're not employing asians generally yeah, yeah. or any other ethnic minority there was just very few of us around yeah. um and so it just got to a point where it's just like there's no one for me to look up to that looks like me and mm. not or even just women there wasn't even that many women in senior positions well, look at pretty patel on it but pretty patel i'm sorry she does not represent anything other than being the cooper type of person who yeah. like has no she doesn't want to be known as an ethnic minority. She doesn't want to be, she said herself, she doesn't want to be identified as that. So fuck her. Mm. So maybe, okay, so Preeti Patel aside, like they, in terms of, a, like we always try to think of a solution for the for this situation, these problems. And we can't even talk about education and discussion and conversation because, you know, that's like, it, it's so beyond that almost how it feels. But I just feel that little things amongst the people you know within the, within your place of work, you shouldn't have to accept your name being mispronounced wrong. You shouldn't have to accept small, the small little minor issues because that's how we break down that, that, that wall between our communities, between yeah. us and them. Nobody want to turn it into us versus them because it's not about that. It's about how we as a community can be a little bit more woke and, and it, you know, just enable those small changes to happen. Because once people do accept you for who you are, then that's how we as a whole are going to move forward. I think that's completely... Sorry, I was just looking at the monitor. Bubs has just woken has up. Bubs woken up. I'm sorry, that was a really serious point. Um, I 100% agree with that. I think that like, unless we are the change, unless we make the change, yeah. and if you're a person in a position of power where you're hiring... Yeah. Unless you ha help to make that change. And I'm not just saying hire people because they're Asian. Absolutely Or not. because they're from an ethnic minority. Absolutely not. It has to be done on merit. But when the merit is equal, yes. when they are, when everything else is equal, then why not? Exactly. Yeah. You know, why not try and push that? Why not try and make it a, a more diverse workplace yes. for everybody? Well, that's the thing. They're asking more now for... for basically tell us what your ethnic minority is and stuff they make it very very important now in application processes but i always feel like it ends up and ends up being a hindrance more than uh you know something that's an advantage yeah because we want to be a diverse workplace we want to know if what your ethnic minority is if you are one or if you are you know have any kind of disability and all that kind of stuff and yeah i don't still i still don't see the representation from ethnic minorities mm. from people with various disabilities i don't see any of it so it's not getting us very far and yeah. we need to push. Yes. We need to make that push and say, no, we need to be here. We need to be seen. Yes. We need to be seen and heard. And paid. And paid. <laughs> Especially me, because I'm looking for a job. 
if you do have any stories about anything that like that that's happened in your workplace, let us know. Tweet us. Let us know. What tell us what's been happening. We'll kind of we'll we'll follow up on it in the next show. Yes, absolutely. You know, shout to Anu who got in touch to, to when we asked for people's suggestions and things that are happening all the way from Canada. All the way from Canada, speaking Canadian. to us about microaggression. Yeah. Um, and I got a couple of messages from people who didn't want to didn't want their names known, wanted to be anonymous about their situations in their workplaces and a lot of them were to do with their names being mispronounced and just having to accept it yep. or being called a certain name for somebody else that's in the office that's also Asian you know but that seems to be a very common thing and we surely now we've come so far like why does it have to be the, why does it have to be a thing I was just thinking that in Beecham House, the old lady's always like, I can't, I can't pronounce this name. And so she just changes all of the, yes. the, the, the names of the people who work in the that house. That was in the 1800s. Yeah. It's like 2019. Yeah. For fuck's sake. It's still the same it's attitude. It's still the same now. Help stop this by putting a stop to it in your workplaces. Right. Well, our Bob's is crying on the monitor or is making a soft little sweet sound. Yeah, we better um, go and feed him. Yes. Uh, but that'll be the end of this week's episode of the Native Immigrants Podcast. Join us in two weeks. We're going to be back for more of the same. So until then, I'm Swami Barakas. And I'm Jojo B. And we'll see you all then, people. Peace! See ya!